I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. After three years of work, our follow-up to the Meat Eater Fish and Game Cookbook is here. It's the Meat Eater Outdoor Cookbook, wild game recipes for the grill, smoker, campfire, and camp stove. Here is your book for everything that's best cooked or eaten outside, from grilling to open fire cooking to Dutch ovens to smokers to barbecue to backpacking meals to how to pull off the perfect fish fry with pit stops along the way for lessons about Ice Age cooking methods and the best five ways to construct a cooking fire you can be proud of. And of course, we're focusing on wild game and fish here with over 100 recipes, including stuffed venison burgers three ways, wild duck with ahi verde sauce, a jerky made with cola, a gin and tonic made with fire-charred lemons, and grilled frog legs made with a sticky sweet sauce. This ain't your normal cookbook, so be prepared to be surprised. Get your copy now. For more info, visit TheMeatEater.com or buy it wherever books are sold. Welcome to Wired to Hunt's Rut Fresh Radio, bringing you the latest reports from the Whitetail Woods. And now, your host, Spencer Newharth. I'm Spencer Newarth, and this is Wired to Hunt's Rut Fresh Radio, powered by First Love. Welcome to Wired to Hunt's Rut Fresh Radio. I am your host, Spencer Newarth. And this week I am joined by Mark Kenyon, but he is not at his computer like he normally is. Why is that, Mark? For very, very good reasons, Spencer. It's because I'm sitting in my truck in Iowa. The great whitetail state of Iowa. I'm here for uh, Rutcation 2021 and very excited about it. I like it. And this isn't just any ordinary trip to Iowa, though. You have a cameraman with you. And in the morning, I'm going to have a cameraman with me. And so is Tony Peterson. And so is Clay Newcomb. Talk about that, Mark. Yeah. Yeah, man. We're kicking off a, a really cool project here. The four of us are all hunting across the country. And I know we teased this a little bit, I think, last week. But I'll, I'll reiterate again. The four of us are all hunting this week. So November 1 through 7 four different places across the country and we will be telling the story of that one week across our four storylines our four experiences our diverse experiences um and seeing what the whitetail rut can what it can give us who knows who knows what's going to happen it's likely or at least hopefully going to be action-packed uh conditions look good at least from what i'm seeing i'm sure we'll talk about that in a second but uh but yeah that's going to be getting filmed this week and then we'll be publishing that for the world to follow along with uh, later this month on the Meat Eater YouTube channel. So uh, everyone make sure to stay tuned for that. Make sure you subscribe to the Meat Eater YouTube channel to see how this all goes down. So uh, very, very exciting and high hopes for this week. 
That's right. First episode should be dropping probably in like two or three weeks from now. I'm not certain what that date is, but by the end of November, um, the first episode or two of this show is going to be out. Um, so we are here, though, to talk about Buck Movement, and it is officially November. It is officially the rut for most of the Whitetails range. And I think, Mark, there's something that uh, you, you do a good job of emphasizing when it comes to hunting the rut. And that is that we sort of think about this moment for like 365 days a year. And then it gets here and maybe the rut's not happening like you expected it to. And, and you can maybe overthink things and, and become pessimistic. Um, and and your rut isn't happening like a rut should. In that case, I always hear you preach the KISS method of hunting the rut. Go over that for us, Mark, what that means and why you think that's important for hunting this time of year. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you bring it up, Spencer, because it, it might be, at least at least for me, it might be the very most important thing that I need to be reminded of every single year come this time of year. Because, like you mentioned, we build up the rut so much. We have such high expectations for it. There's so much written about the rut. There's so much talked about when it comes to the rut. There's so many shows about the rut. You know, there's there's a million different ways your mind could go when you're thinking about how the rut should be and how you should be hunting during the rut and what you should be seeing and what you should be experiencing. Yada, 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 yada. Like you said, you can get confused, you can get paralyzed, you can get frustrated. Whenever I feel any inkling of that, whenever I feel lost or don't know what to do or don't know why things aren't going the way they should be, I just remind myself, like you mentioned, to keep it simple and to focus on to step back and look at the foundations, the, the pillars of hunting the rut. And those two pillars for me are number one, does. Focus on the does. Whenever you're lost or stuck in the rut, go back to that. Where are the does? Where do the does spend the most of their time? So that's doe bedding areas typically, or that's doe feeding areas. And if you don't know where to start, that is a really, really good place to point to. So number one of the pillars of rut hunting success is know where the does are and be there because that's where the bucks want to be. Right now, bucks are trying to find females that are ready to breed. If you know where the does are, you know where the bucks are going to be. So that right there can be the simplest solution to a whole lot of problems. The second thing I would like to focus on, the second foundation, second pillar, is any kind of travel corridor, funnel, or pinch point that focuses and tightens down deer movement. Because again, bucks are traveling a lot more than usual to try to find those does. So they're trying to get from doe hotspot to doe hotspot to doe hotspot, anywhere that terrain or habitat or some kind of feature constricts movement into a narrower than usual way, that's going to be a good place during the rut. So two things right there. If ever you're lost, look for one of those two things. Or in a perfect world, if you can get those two things combined, you really have a dynamite rut set. If you can be in a pinch point that's maybe downwind of a doe bedding area, holy smokes, sit your butt down there and just wait because good things are coming. <laughs> and and that's, that's an oversimplified view of the rut, of course, but oftentimes you need to just focus on the simple basics of things to get your head right again, to get you re-centered on the right places to be. Because sometimes if you get too much into the weeds, you get, you just get bogged down in it. So I like to do that. I like to take a step back, keep it simple, make sure that any decision I'm making, any you know, should I hunt this tree or that tree? Should I hunt this spot or this spot? It's got to pass the test. Does it fulfill one of those two pillars? Does it check the box on one of those two things or both of those two things? If it doesn't, 
then what the heck am I doing there? It's oftentimes me getting too fancy or trying to think I'm smarter than I am. So, so that right there, I think, is a, is a good thing for everyone to keep in mind over the next couple of weeks. If you're ever feeling lost, fall back on the foundation. Yeah, and if I were to add a third pillar to this, I think that would be just being in the woods, simply being out there. It can be easy this time sure. of year if uh, like November 1 through 5, it isn't happening for you. It can be easy to talk yourself out of a haunt saying that the weather isn't right or the moon isn't right or your trail cameras have gone cold or something like that. But the reality is these next two weeks are the best two weeks of hunting for most of the country. Um, and, and you can't like get those days back when it's all of a sudden December. And so be in the woods as much as you possibly can for these next couple of weeks. Um, and, and you do that combined with being around does and being around pinch points, good things are going to happen for sure. Yep. I agree. And, and thankfully this week, we actually got pretty good conditions across a lot of parts of the country, at least. So there's no excuse not to be in the woods. There's no warm front like last year. There's nothing to complain about. It's just good, 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 good. That's right. And the haunters that you're going to hear from this week giving you your rot report are Josh Honeycutt from Realtree in Kentucky, Mike Hunsucker in Colorado from Heartland Bowhunter, Alex Comstock from Whitetail DNA in Minnesota, and Clay Newcomb from Meat Eater and Bear Grease in Arkansas. And your reading materials this week, um, the first article is Three Unconventional Whitetail Rut Haunting Tactics from Dylan Tramp. Dylan introduces three unorthodox tactics to implement for when your rut haunts have been very slow. How to Hunt the Whitetail Rut in the Big Woods by Bo Martonic. Bo goes over the nuances of hunting big timber in November, which is his expertise. And then What is the Best Day of the Whitetail Rut uh, by me. I interviewed 10 big buck killers and asked them for their favorite day of the rut, and there was a pretty consistent answer, which you can get in that article. And then the last thing, which is sort of what you just previewed, Mark, is the rules of the whitetail rut, an article that you wrote, where Mark goes over his kiss strategy and what the four rules are that every whitetailer should be following this time of year. Spencer, what's your prediction for the next seven weeks, or seven days? Do you expect a one through 10 or what do you expect on a one through 10 rating? And what I was trying to say there a second ago, is <laughs> do you expect one tag failed, two tags failed? What are you going to put down on the ground this week? These next 10 days are going to be a 10 out of 10. If, if you are anywhere Ooh. that has a traditional white tail rut and not in like the very deep South or something like that, uh, this is it. This, this is the 10 out of 10. It doesn't matter what the weather's doing, what the moon's doing, stuff like that. Um, this is the best it's going to get for my personal hunting. Uh, I'm going to be optimistic. I think I'm going to fill two tags between now and the next time we record a rut fresh radio episode. And, uh, that podcast Ooh. is going to be real long. Cause, cause I'm going to have a lot to talk about when I come in, uh, with two <laughs> less tags than now. Oh man. You heard it here. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Spencer's going to kill a big old stinky buck in Montana and a big one in Wyoming, right? That's right. And you're going to have one in Iowa and Tony's going to have one in Wisconsin. And, uh, Clay's going to have one in Arkansas. Everyone's going to have deer on the ground. Oh man. Knock on wood, buddy. I sure hope we don't come back to this one next week and we all have nothing tagged. <laughs> I know. I know. All right, Mark, I will talk to you next week. Sounds good, buddy. Good luck. All right. And joining us on the line first is Josh Honeycutt from Realtree in Kentucky. Now, Josh, in Kentucky, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Yeah, I mean, for the past few days, it's probably been a 6.5, maybe a 7. Um, it was a little bit better 
the end of last week. Uh, it kind of tapered off a little bit this weekend, but uh, yeah, I think that was mostly weather related. What are you seeing for sign making right now in Kentucky? Yeah, rubs and scrapes are popping up uh, pretty rapidly, uh, which is normal this time of year. Um, so it is, you know, it's not a peak sign yet, but I'd say it'll probably get peak sign here within the next few days. In early November, where do you want to be running your trail cameras as we approach the rut? Yeah, I mean, this time of year right now, I still like those on the scrapes, uh, but not for much longer. That's that's fixing to change. You know, at that point, I kind of like to have them on pinch points, um, along tra- uh, trails that are on the downwind sides of, of, of bedding areas, uh, but really anything that just pinches deer down, because um, like the bucks are going to be traveling uh, from one spot to the next, and they're going to use the paths of least resistance, uh, so long as the hunting pressure isn't preventing them from doing that. So. Uh, right now, still like them on scrapes, probably up until around November 4th, 5th, uh, and then that'll change uh, to pinch points afterward. This time of year in Kentucky, are you doing any calling or decoying? Yeah, I haven't done any decoying yet, um, but uh, that's going to, you know, I've already filled my Kentucky buck tag, so I'm I'm still in the Kentucky woods hunting with others, so I know what's, what's happening out there, but I'll be spending my time in Ohio and Indiana. Um, and, and I'll be doing a lot of calling and rattling as well as some decoying there. What does a decoy setup look like for you in Kentucky in early November? Are you using a buck? Are you using a doe? Um, what kind of area are you in? What's the posture of the deer? I've never used a doe decoy. Uh, I know a lot of people have success with that. Um, I almost always use a, a buck decoy. I like it set up about, uh, probably about 15 to 20 yards. Um, some people like to have it a little closer, a little farther, but I like it at 15 to 20. That way, if they hang up about 10 yards past it, they're still in, in good range, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, if they come in closer than that. I don't like to have it at 10. That's just a little close for me, um, especially if your scent's falling uh, or something like that, or you have a little little bit of a rogue uh, uh, wind. But uh, I like it at about 15, 18, 20 yards, quartering slightly to me. That way, if a mature deer, generally, if they approach that buck decoy, they're going to approach it head on. So that gives me either a broadside or a quarter and a white shot. In early November, describe your ideal setup when you're deer hunting in Kentucky. Yeah, it depends on the situation. Uh, every property is different, so it's going to be different from one from one property to the next. But, um, you know, for bow hunting, I like tight areas, pinch points where it condenses deer movement. Um, come gun season, which our starts during the rut, uh, I like to be able to cover as much ground as possible, uh, you know, to maximize the efficiency of the weapon you're using. Um, that does come with a caveat though. You know, I like to be in good quality bedding cover as well. So that's kind of an oxymoron there, but one of the properties that I hunt is CRP. So it's, it's bedding cover, but it's also, if you get high enough up in a tree, you can cover a lot of ground. So you have the best of both worlds. So I like good, thick, early successional brushy cover um but i like to also be able to see as much ground as possible but the, the, the you know come gun season which starts this year in kentucky around i think november 13th those deer are going to start locking down and they're going to be in cover so that's where you need to be whatever the best available bedding cover you have uh that's the spot historically in kentucky what's been your favorite day of the rut yeah, I've never really had a favorite day. I know a lot of people do. Uh, my, my success has been kind of spread out. But the, the peak breeding in Kentucky generally takes place November 15th-ish, kind of around, you know, maybe 15th, 16th, 17th. That's kind of the average day. But the, the window is really November 10th to 20th. And I really prefer 
the five days that lead up to that. So I'd say, you know, I, even though I don't have a favorite day, my favorite window is probably November 5th to 10th. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to 10 in Kentucky? Yeah, I think it's going to continually get better until around the 10th or so. Um, so it's only going to, going to only improve from here on out, uh, uh, until about the 10th and you know it, it, contrary to what people think every deer in the woods doesn't lock down at once so you know they talk about the lockdown phase it, it, it's more of a progression than, than, a, than a, a a one day or two day event so not every doe and buck's going to be locked down simultaneously that said whenever the bulk of the does are in estrus you're going to see a little bit of a decrease in movement as people oftentimes uh, suggest so uh you know i think it's going to improve up till around november 10th then you'll see a little bit of a decline but it, it, it still, even though that's what people quote unquote say is the lockdown, it's still a great time to be in the woods, even though that's the case. You know, I think that November 5th to 10th time frame, you're going to see a 10. Uh, it'll probably drop down uh, a little bit after that. But uh, yeah, I would say it'll be a 10 from November 5th to 10th and probably from November 1st to 5th, it'll probably be a eight or a nine. All right, Josh, congrats on that great buck you killed earlier this year in Kentucky. Good luck with the rest of your fall and thanks for joining me. Thank you. All right, and joining us on the line next is Mike Hunsucker from Heartland Bowhunter in Colorado. Now, Mike, in Colorado, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Man, I would say it's, it's heating up, I would say, probably a 7 right, right about now. I've been hunting the past week, and it has been really slow for the most part, and the switch seemed to really flip just a couple days ago. Um, had a cold front move in, and uh, the area that I hunt, is interesting because it's it's uh on the eastern plains and so it, it gets cool in the evening um it was dipping down in the 30s you know and then but it gets warm in the afternoon so it was getting up into the low 80s upper upper 70s and so had a little bit of a cold front move through and that, that seemed to really just change things as far as daylight movement we were seeing plenty of does uh and small bucks in daylight but finally starting just a few days ago we started seeing some mature bucks really cruising and uh, starting to get pretty aggressive what do you notice about the differences when it comes to sign making with the whitetails that you're hunting in the West in Colorado versus in your home state of Missouri? Um, as far as sign and stuff, it's really not a whole lot different. They're, uh, they're, they're, you know, making rubs, tearing up scrapes right now. Um, same as, as they are in Missouri. Um, you know, it's not too far from Western Kansas. So it's pretty, pretty similar as far as sign making and you know, as of lately, that's what most of our, our trail cameras have moved to scrapes. Um, the bucks have been checking them pretty frequent, um, you know, just waiting for those first, first does to come into heat. They're getting pretty antsy. What food sources are relevant right now in Colorado? So the food source that we've, this has been a learning curve for us this year. Um, this, this property is under uh, development essentially for, for ag. And so, when the landowner purchased it a few years ago, it was really underdeveloped um, and they've really worked on the water rights and getting some of these fields into production. And so one of the, uh, I would say the key focus for us has been over a green triticale field, which is, um, you know, similar to like a winter wheat, uh, it's a forage triticale that they'll, they'll turn cows out onto and, and uh, feed cows on, but the deer have been hammering it. I know this time of year in the past, you've had a lot of success with decoying in bucks. So what are your decoy strategies in early November? Yeah, I mean, I can't think of a better time to use a decoy uh, than right right now, late October, early November. Um, the bucks are getting aggressive. They're starting to push each other around and really establish dominance. And I think that, uh, you know, uh, this, is, this is the most opportune time to use one. So I've been using it a lot this past week. Um, had some success with some 
younger deer, but uh, no shot opportunity for the mature deer yet. It seems like, Mike, you're often using your decoys on a field edge. Are there ever scenarios where you're using one in cover? No. Um, so, yeah, when it comes to decoying, I, I like the deer to be able to see the deer, the decoy from a long ways away if possible. Um, just because it's it's kind of like, you know, uh, ground blinds. If, a, if you pop up a double bowl or whatever in a, in a tight area and uh, the deer see it, they're going to kind of freak out. Um, and so I, li- I, don't, I don't want to catch them off guard. But usually I'm using it in open areas. A lot of times in areas off of like where the main, you know, concentration of deer is going to be, because I'm sure if you've ever used the decoy before, you know, the does can get real curious and get downwind and, and spook off the decoy and kind of ruin your hunt. And so, um, fortunately in Colorado, they've been very tolerable. The does really don't pay much attention to the decoy and the bucks. Um, you know, if they get in that comfort zone area and you call at them and get them fired up there, they're coming in hot. Tell us about the posture of the decoy for early November. Are you going one antler or two antlers? Uh, what are you doing with the tail? What are you doing with the ears, et cetera? So the, the, I use the Dave Smith uh, DSD posturing buck decoy, so it's always a posturing position. The ears are, are in a pinback position. Um, I usually use both antlers. I guess you could just throw one on there either way. Um, you know, it's a, it's a basket rack, 105-inch eight-point, you know, with some trashy little brows, so it's um, you know, it's, it's this perfect, like two-year-old type buck. And so, um, you're not going to, not going to scare much away with it. I don't feel like, especially if you're hunting, you know, a mature dominant deer. Now in your home state of Missouri, what is your favorite day of the rut or your favorite stretch of days of the rut? You know, November 7th has been the most productive for me over the years. Um, but I do love these next few days coming up here. Um, basically this next week for, for Missouri, you know, every day before rifle season is, is, you know, the, the best days because once rifle season hits, it's just a whole different season. So, uh, I believe we open on, I want to say like the 13th this year. So, um, you know, the seventh kind of lies right in the middle of that sweet spot, but, um, you know, that's been the most productive day for me is, is the seventh. Describe your ideal setup. If you're in a tree stand on November 7th, what are you overlooking? Why are you in that area? Why are bucks want to be in that area? So usually by November 7th, I'm diving into some cover, usually, uh, hunting mornings, um, you know, hoping to catch deer coming back to bedding areas, uh, on the downwind side of a bedding area. You know, a lot of times when bucks are going to, um, you know, they're, they're just cruising, looking for a hot doe. They're going to be, try to be as most efficient as possible. So they're going to circle the downwind side of these known bedding areas and just scent check them. You know, they're not going to just tromp through, zigzag through the whole bedding area, looking for a hot doe. They're just going to be cruising, scent checking. And so. A lot of times I like to get on the downwind side of a known bedding area um, with some sort of obstruction, whether it's a creek or a, or a ridge, um, to where you know you can hopefully potentially keep deer from coming behind you and uh, catch them on a, on a pretty heavily used trail that, that's downwind. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Colorado? Oh, man, it, uh, I think it's going to be... I mean, this next week, I think is going to be the week, man. It's the, the weather is just lining up perfectly. Um, we've had unseasonably warm season for the most part. I feel like, uh, you know, in Missouri and Colorado both. And so, um, I don't remember a time when, um, in the recent future, at least in the recent past, um, where, where the ruts and the, and November and these weather conditions are lined up as good as they, as they are this coming week. So, if you got vacation time, I would get out and get in a stand. It's going to be highs in the 40s here in Missouri, and uh, Colorado is going to be even colder than that in the evenings, but uh, it's going to be awesome. I love the optimism, Mike. Good luck with the rest of your season, and thanks for joining me. 
Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. All right. And joining us on the line next is Alex Comstock from Whitetail DNA in Minnesota. Now, Alex, in Minnesota, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of one to 10? So I'd say it's probably been about a two or a three. Things have been very slow for me. I have not been seeing mature bucks at all. The only reason I even give it a two or three is just from reports from buddies that hunt very close to me that have seen a little bit. But overall, it's been really slow for me so far. What would you attribute that slow movement to right now in places you're hunting in Minnesota? I think I'd mainly attribute it to weather. Um, It's been last year at this time, looking over, you know, year to year weather information, we were lows in the teens, highs in the upper 20s, low 30s. And this year right now, we've had highs in the 50s and 60s and lows in the 40s and 50s. So the weather has just really not been ideal. So to encounter some better movement, what do you think you need to change about your strategies to find a rutting buck in the coming week? I'm hoping that just time of year and uh, weather is going to help me with as we move into the first week of November, uh, temperatures are supposed to drop here. And based on what I'm seeing out in the woods, you know, I've been not seeing a ton of scraping activity uh, compared to the years before. And I just hope we're a week or so back, you know, and that things are really going to ramp up here in the next week. Where are you running your trail camera as we get into early November? I've still got pretty much all of my trail cameras on either scrapes or mock scrapes. That seems to be the best for me, even though as we moved into early November and bucks start chasing a little more, I find that scrapes are going to be the best spot for trail cameras. And then uh, if you don't have them on scrapes, then I've got them in you know some tight funnels and stuff like that. What food sources are relevant right now to deer and deer hunters in Minnesota? You know, if you've got, you know, late acorns dropping, otherwise where I'm at, um, there are mountain ash berries and buckthorn, which they eat a lot. And that's, you know, pretty much the extent of it where, where I'm at. Historically, this time of year in Minnesota, are you doing any calling or decoying? I have started doing some calling. I've had some pretty good success in years past, uh, especially with rattling. Uh, not anything, no success yet, but this is right now the time of year where I'm starting to starting to do some calling and and if you got a good setup for decoying i you know don't have a ton of good setups but uh when you get those areas whether you're on a field edge or some type of clearing where deer can see for a while i think this is probably the best time to be decoying when you have a successful calling sequence in early november and years past what are some themes that are consistent among those situations where you're able to call in a buck you know, it's either, you know, sometimes it'll be blind rattling, but typically it's, if, you, if you've got a lone buck that you're seeing off in the distance, um, you know, if I've, you know, it's very common where you see something through the, through the timber, you catch a glance, you're not sure exactly what it was, smack the antlers together and, you know, hopefully you can get that deer to, to come in and check you out and that way you can get at least a better look and know what exactly what it is. In your state, do you have a favorite day of the rut or a favorite stretch of the rut? My favorite stretch is, probably that november 3rd through the 7th so that's you know we're coming up on that and uh that's definitely where i've seen to have the best activity and the best hunts you know year over year during that stretch at november 3 to november 7 what does an ideal setup look like for you in minnesota my favorite setups for sure are some type of pinch or funnel with in between doe bedding areas you know those bucks are just starting you know whether some does are coming into estrus or not you know, those bucks are really starting to check. And uh, if you can get in between bedding areas, I think that's kind of my go-to setup. If you're doing some in-season scouting this time of year, what are some things that you're looking for? 
I'm just looking for concentrated buck sign, you know, and if I can find areas with a ton of rubs, ton of scrapes, that tells me, even if that sign has been made at night or even it's been made in late October, bucks are in that area, generally speaking. And then that's where I like to key in on. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to 10 in Minnesota? I would definitely like to see it get up into that seven plus range. Um, just being how slow it's been, you almost feel like it's due that it's going to just really pick up. And I just hope things are going to break open here pretty much any day. All right, Alex, I, uh, I hope you're wrong and you even get a 10 out of 10, but good luck with your haunts and thanks for joining <laughs> me. All right. Thanks, Spencer. All right. And joining us on the line next is Clay Newcomb, who you know from Meat Eater and Bear Grease and all sorts of other places in the Meat Eater Network, who is in Arkansas. Now, Clay, in Arkansas, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of one to 10? I, from personal observation, I would have expected it to be a little bit hotter right now. So I'm going to give it a six, Spencer, because I have yet to see a mature buck really on its you know, chasing does, doing what you kind of expect to see them do around here right now. This right around Halloween is usually the best time for us. And uh, I think it's going to get real good, but I'm going to give it a six for right now. If you were to put a name on this phase of the rot in Arkansas, what would you say that it is right now? Just the seeking phase. These bucks, I'm, I'm starting to see on trail camera mature deer on their feet in the daytime but not with does a a lot of times right now i mean i'm seeing mature bucks like tendon does but i have not seen that this year and i have seen a couple of mature bucks on camera just kind of cruising and so i would call it you know they're they're uh they're moving around looking for those first hot does in early November in Arkansas, where do you want to be running your trail cameras? Mm. <laughs> Over a pile of corn on private land, Spencer. Uh, that's where you want to put your trail cameras. Um, that's not a joke, really. You can do it, and it's a great way to get pictures of, of deer. Secondly, on scrapes. The, the, the deer are usually hitting scrapes really good this year i have not got as many pictures of bucks over scrapes right now but uh that's where i want them besides piles of corn what other food sources are relevant for deer hunters right now in arkansas acorns big time there where there are acorns the deer hitting the acorns hard uh there are large areas that i've found that don't have many acorns and so the deer are um you know, they're, they're hitting field edges some more than I would usually expect them to this time of year. And, and we're not in an agricultural area. We're, we're just in kind of, you know, we've got a lot of cattle pastures and different things. But I would imagine guys with food plots, which we don't have really any improved land that we're hunting in terms of deer improvement, uh, food plots would be probably pretty hot right now. Historically, Clay, in Arkansas, what is your favorite day or your favorite stretch of days of the whitetail rot? November 5th, 6th, and 7th. That, that's the time, to, in my opinion, to really kill one. I've, just, I've killed deer on those, multiple deer on those three days, just at different times. 
and the the big deer just seem to be moving and they're typically with a doe they're they're with a doe during that time and that's that's when i like to hunt them during november 5th to november 7th what is your ideal setup look like in arkansas when you're in a tree stand i'm i'm hunting funnels during that time i'm trying to just find areas where i'm gonna see a lot of deer catch deer moving and the funnels for me on on the private land that I hunt, I, I, I hunt national forest some, and in that it's totally different. But this year I'm hunting mainly private up here, and that is going to mean little corridors between fields, the back corners of fields, the heads of big hollows, and just neck down topographic features that draw deer in. And that's where I'm going to be sitting is in these little little funnels. Famously, Clay, you had a set of rattling antlers that Steve broke off in Texas on Meat Eater Season 10 that we then auctioned off in the Meat Eater Auction House of Oddities, which you can find in our Meat Eater store. Now, I know you have rattling antlers like that, but do you use them a lot in Arkansas this time of year? Well, I still haven't forgiven Steve for breaking my rattling antlers, number one. Yes, I, I do some rattling, but I won't rattle much this week. I tell you, the most success I've had in Arkansas, which it's been minimal, it, these deer, just for whatever reason, I, I don't really understand it. Just They're not going to respond like the deer in the Midwest can do at times to rattling. I have rattled in deer. Usually, I remember rattling in a good buck on November the 10th one time. Um, I do carry a synthetic set of a, a rattling device and I will tickle it every now and then, but I can't remember the last time it actually helped me kill a deer this time of year. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to 10 in Arkansas? It's going to be as good as it is going to get. It's going to be a 10 because we finally got some cold weather. The weather has been very warm in Arkansas. So we finally got this cold weather coming in which is great. Last year during this time, it was incredibly hot and deer, it, it was real tough first week in November. This year, I expect it to be as good as it gets. So I'm giving it a 10, man. All right, Clay, I'm going to be impatiently waiting for a big buck down text. Uh, so I hope that happens this week and good luck. Good luck to you, Spencer. Thanks, man. I'll be looking for the same from you. And that concludes this week's episode of Wired to Hunt's Rut Fresh Radio. Thanks to Josh, Mike, Alex, and Clay for joining me, and thank you guys for listening. As always, you can find this week's reading materials in the description of the episode, where you'll see articles like Three Unconventional Whitetail Rut Hunting Tactics, How to Hunt the Whitetail Rut in the Big Woods, What is the Best Day of the Whitetail Rut, and the Rules of the Whitetail Rut. I hope your rutcation has already started, and if not, it's only a few days away. I will talk to you next week, and until then, stay wired to hunt. Hey, everybody knows Weber Grills. I've been using Weber Grills my whole life, and check it out. They got a pellet grill, the Weber Searwood Pellet Grill. Now, with a pellet grill, you can smoke, roast, and sear on the same grill. You can go from low and slow, okay, on smoke boost mode, or crank this thing all the way to a heat sear at 600 degrees. 
It's got a full, great sear zone so you can put more food on the flame. Get fired up for your new Weber Searwood pellet grill. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.